The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharm and tonight... We have the A-team, myself, yeah. and uh, Mark Immelman joins me. Mark, welcome to the show. How was it out there today? It was great. Um, look, it's been a fun couple of days. Colonial is a wonderful venue, obviously, and Fort Worth is, is a great town, and and the players are in good spirits. The weather is off the charts. I mean, someone forgot to switch, switch the wind machine on because this this golf course ordinarily is defined by crosswinds and and sort of heavy, gusty West Texas winds, but it's been idyllic out there. It's hot, and so you better be in shape. But it, it was a fun afternoon. It was a, a grueling afternoon because of the heat, but but otherwise, two thumbs up. Were you at all, and we're going to get into uh, many of the players here tonight, because this is, tonight we're going to get into some of the top players in the in the on the stacked leaderboard uh, we're going to move through it uh, somewhat quickly give you a little bit of a rundown here and get we're going to try to get to as many players as we can but were you surprised at all that Harold Varner the third gets to 11 under par and we're, we'll talk about him in a minute but were you surprised no one in the afternoon wave caught him um well the golf course definitely does play harder in the afternoon in the morning because it's June over here in Fort Worth and the hot Texas summers they got to keep the greens watered and and they spritz them through the middle of the day around like the noontime hour you'll see them syringe and then in the evening they give these things a drink because the golf course really browned out some this afternoon in the fairways but the greens are still very receptive but that being said in the afternoons they i wouldn't say they're crusty they're not like a major championship green but the guys in the morning have the better time of it and with a full-size field now remember ordinarily this is an invitational with 120 players now now you've got the full field there's a whole bunch of traffic through there in the morning and the afternoon waves. So come the end of the day, you know, the, the ball doesn't roll as smoothly. You know, the ball rolls out into the rough a little bit more. Greens firm up some. So there has been a discrepancy. In fact, in round one, I hadn't seen the round two numbers just yet. The round one was playing about an, a stroke and a half almost um, easier than the afternoon. So, wow. so, so, so that's typically the thing. And, and, and it bodes, I think, the same for the weekend. Um if we'd had some breeze, this place would really firm up. But I think in the weekend, you'll see more of the same, where guys in the morning will get after it some, and then in the, in the afternoon, there would still be birdies to be had, but it wouldn't be as prevalent as what it was in the morning wave. So the, the man who sits on top of the leaderboard is a man uh, that, that has, there's been a lot of discussion surrounding him leading into the week, Harold Varner third. Something is really clicking for him. I mean, he's played the front nine in nine under par, has not made a bogey on the front nine through two rounds. On the back nine, well, if you look at the number, he's two under par. Well, why is that? Well, he started on the back nine today, and on number 10, he started with a triple bogey. Mark, what did you think of that comeback? What, what does that tell you about where Harold Varner III is uh, in his mindset? Well, in his comments after the round, um, he mentioned to Todd Lewis on our show that um, if 
if there's one time you want to make a triple bogey, you want to do it when you're playing well. And he said, look, first hole of the day, you don't want to start that way, but at least you've got time to make it up. And he knew he was playing well. I mean, he had 18 greens in regulation in round one, which is, you've got to be luckier than a dog with two tails around Colonial to do that. <laughs> these greens are minute and it's easy to drive the ball through these fairways that bend left and right. So, you know, it was a fantastic effort by him. And so he knew he was striking it good. And he knew that there were opportunities out there to be had because, you know, if you can fly the thing 300 plus, you can hit it over some of the corners over here and get yourself some scoring clubs into these greens. And again, the greens are receptive. So if you're controlling distance and trajectory, which he is doing, in fact, when I, I, call, I called some of his first round, the final six holes, I think it was or so, he was moving the ball, not just left and right, but he was moving it up and down in a big way too. So he could get balls back to the back hole locations where if you were going in there high with a whole bunch of spin, you had no chance. So, so with the trajectory movement and the fact that he was playing well and the fact that he's putting great, um, you know, I wasn't really surprised that, that he bounced back like he did. Uh, to start with a seven on a straightaway par four is not what you want to do. But, you know, it, it's just 17 holes to make more birdies, as Nick Price would say to me. Right. I, I guess if, if you're going to make a big mistake, the earlier in the round, the better. Although, um, you know, I think Harold Varner. And the biggest thing that comes to my mind is I think of the PGA Championship uh, at, at Beth Page Black when he's in the final group with Brooks Kepka. And on the fourth hole, he makes a mess of it uh, and goes on to, to shoot an 81. It was really the first time we saw Harold Varner in contention in a big event. And then we get to the Genesis Invitational later this year. And on the 10th hole on Sunday, gets himself in contention and he tops a tee shot and makes some mistakes there. Uh, so we've seen him kind of get himself in position in what we would call high pressure situations. And he's had, he's made a mistake that has cost him a lot. And so what I'm looking for this weekend, I want to get your thoughts on this is it was that the mistake for the week or is this something, do you think there's still another barrier for him to break heading into the weekend uh, with a lead in the PGA tour event? Well, you never know. I mean, I'm, I'm always going to go back to lessons I've learned and, I learned from a, a prominent golfer, Hall of Famer, um, in Gary Player. He said, look, adversity is a given in golf. And even if you're playing well, things are going to go awry. And, and, and the big boys get by that. And, and the one thing Harold also admitted after today's round was that um, he learned from the experience with Kepka. And he said he learned from the experience at the Genesis Open. So, so he's taken these experiences. And, and, and he said that every time he's been there, now, after these things, it makes him feel more comfortable. So I think he's primed um, to have a good weekend. Now, is it a guarantee? Absolutely not. Because he's got like a, I mean, there's a peloton of studs in behind him. Yeah. But, but the, the, it looks to me like he's playing with a higher purpose right now. And, and everything's in the stride. And, and there's a funny look in his eye. I mean, he is, he's got the bit between his teeth. And this boy is grinding and going. And, and just everything seems to be going his way right now. It's, it's really impressive to watch. I, mean, I You love seeing a guy come back from some adversity like that. And as I, early in the morning, I was just kind of watching scoreboards. I saw him make a triple. I said, oh, man, here we go again. Here's Harold Varner making uh, a big mistake when he finally gets a, a taste of the lead. Um, and, and so maybe this is just experience. This is what you get when you don't get what you want. And he seems to be on his way to some really, really good things. So I'm looking forward to watching Harold over the weekend. But how about the finish to the round? He started on the backside, he triples 10. Yeah. He bogeys 18 and he's one over to the turn. Makes a few pars on one, two, and three, holes 10, 11, 12. 
Then he goes two, three, 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 three. <laughs> so I mean, pretty good. Yeah, you're making five, four, five threes in a row and a two. I mean, that was crazy to come back in thirty. Um, so it, it was a hot run, and, and and that's the kind of thing that, you know, he played in the morning waves. He's got the afternoon off. A finish like that just makes you feel so good. And then you're not out there grinding on your game in the heat. So he could go home. He could rest. He's got almost 20, well, more than 12 hours before tea time. So he'll come out rested and refreshed tomorrow, I think, which I think is a big deal given the heat and stuff. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I, for me, Harold Varner III, I, I love his disposition, the way that he handles himself, the way that he uh, approaches these situa- these difficult situations that he's been through on and off the golf course. He's, he he handles himself quite nicely. It's hard not to like the guy. Um, Mark, I want to move on to a player that you saw earlier in the week and had some concerns about, and we've gotten a different story, and it's Jordan Spieth. Now, we did remark earlier that, hey, it, it was only Tuesday. Right. We know that this you see a player on Tuesday struggling like Jordan Speed. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen for the week. What is different to you in what happened, what we've seen on Thursday and Friday and what we saw on Tuesday? Well, he's putting the ball in play off the tee. I mean, that's one of the keys to playing this golf course. Well, uh, the round one, he hit seven of 14 fairways, but the misses weren't too uh, weren't too drastic. And today he drove the ball even better. 13 of 14 fairways. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is unspeed like to be truthful. And then and then you add to that some really quality iron striking in round one today was it was decent. I mean, 13 out of 18 greens around you is sound. But I mean, he's putting like Jordan Speed putts. Uh, the dude's second in the field on the greens and he's playing out of the fairway. Um, now, what on earth he and Cameron McCormick found Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, I don't know. But the word on the street is, and, and you can't quote me on this, but I've heard that they're just trying to play the game by feel which I think is good because when I saw him on Tuesday and he was struggling, uh, there was a whole bunch of golf swing construction and practice swings and, and conversations on the go. Now, also to bear in mind, Tuesday, there was a really gusty sort of 15 to 20 mile an hour westerly wind blowing. And a number of the holes would play into and off your left-hand side, which as a right-handed golfer, it's going to expose your golf swing son. And the last few days has been like playing in a dome almost. I mean, the hardest the wind's blown is like five, six miles an hour. So it's the conditions have almost conspired to help Jordan to put the ball in play off the tee. And the more he's done that, the more you can see the swagger is coming back and there's some of the speeth about him. And, and so I, I think some conditions have helped. But clearly, um, there's, there's a conviction and a golf playing mentality about him that was lacking when I saw him practice on Tuesday. Are you... Thinking right now, Jordan is back, or is it way too early to say that? Hey, we're thirty-six holes away. I mean, look, if 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 this was a thirty-six hole event, I'd say to you absolutely. Um, you know, historically over recent seasons, he's battled in rounds three and four. Um, yeah, this is going to be a big deal for him. You know, because ordinarily playing in this event with the the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex fans in behind him, he'd have the lion's share of the fandom. In fact, wherever he goes, he's got everyone pulling for him because that's just the nature of the beast. But there'll be no fans out there. In fact, his longtime girlfriend, now wife, Annie Verrett, won't be out there either. So it's just Jordan. And he was in a very comfortable grouping with JT and Ricky in rounds one and two. He's playing with Varner in the final group tomorrow. So so there's a lot of unanswered questions. Um, but just at the outset of things, you know, looking at the just the black and the white of it, the numbers are showing that he should play well. 
But as you know, Greg, you work with a lot of good golfers. There's more to it than just statistics. Um, oh man! When, when when it comes to check signing time, check yeah. signing and trophy giving time. Yeah, you know what Gary Player says about statistics. So <laughs> we, uh, we we got to understand that this is you just you never know. And I, I think you bring up an interesting point about the weather, the conditions. Uh, it, it's very interesting. But I I do see a parallel between Jordan and Harold Varner when I look at this tournament today. For both of these players, was defined well, nearly defined by a big number. Uh, Harold Varner starting with the triple bogey, as we discussed. Jordan Spieth with a four putt. Uh, I mean, Jordan, just say that again. Jordan Spieth with a four putt out there. He makes a double bogey, and it was still second uh, in the field putting. Eh? After that, lad, he's still second in the field putting. Right. It tells you something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the three the three putt was inside of three feet. So that is, um, I mean, it's almost it's concerning to some degree, but at the same time, it's one. It's a one-off, right? It's one green. It's kind of easy to throw away. And so I, I've looked at these two players and said they make mistakes that are costly in moments when they need, and recently anyway, when they need something good to happen. They've made these big mistakes. And I, I have this feeling that what Harold Varner III and what Jordan Spieth did today in answering the mistake and having enough holes left to kind of rectify the, the mistake they're leaving the day feeling very good about themselves. They're leaving the day in the final group. So I, I think it bodes well for both of these players on the weekend. Well, well, here's the thing to bear in mind. And let's just, again, remind ourselves it's Friday evening. There's still a weekend's golf out in front. Um, but typically, you, you look at the number of strokes one is off the lead if you're chasing. And then, more importantly, you look at the number of folks in between you and the lead. And now we've got a situation brewing here on the weekend where – if you slip up one time, you're going to get trampled by the herd because there's a bunch of glitterati in behind. And there's, I don't know how many folks within five, six shots of the lead. And we saw Rory shoot 63 today. It's on. And, and, and if someone gets going and you slip up real fast, three, four, five, six, seven guys could pass you by in a blink of an eye. So it's going to be fun. And it's going to be mentally taxing on the guys playing with the lead, in my opinion. I mean, you look at what happened to Justin Rose, right? Justin Rose and Harold Varner have the lead after round one. Um, and all of a sudden, before Justin Rose even puts a tee in the ground, he's four, he's four back. Mm-hmm. And it's a, like that can happen so quickly. I, I wouldn't consider Justin Rose's round of 69 today a slip up, but he gets ran past. And uh, but he's another guy that could go out and shoot a 63 again. He's done it before around here, and uh, he he has put up some really really low numbers here. But he's just one of this group. I mean, look at the guys. I, I'm kind of splitting this up to me. There's the guy Harold Varner the third, Jordan and Bryson. They're double digit under par. Harold's at 11. Jordan and Bryson are both at 10. This group. Mm-hmm. There's question marks with all of those players, which we've discussed some of them. But look at the group behind Colin Morikawa, as steady as it gets, as cool as it gets. Xander Shoffley, maybe the coolest guy out on the PGA Tour. He just keeps on going. You just nobody's even talked about him. I mean, we were on, I was on HQ all day, all afternoon today, and we didn't talk about Xander Shoffley once. Watch out for that guy. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Justin Rose, Gary Woodland, U.S. Open champion. I mean, there is firepower behind these guys are you worried for for jordan and harold at all that they're gonna they're gonna get to the first tee and just be kind of getting run past uh you know what I, I don't know if i'm worried about them because this is what they practice for i mean when you're a kid and you're getting into golf you, you dream of these experiences i mean 
imagine you and aspirin golf and you came to me and i said to you hey you're going to be leading at colonial through 36 holes you're going to feel on top of the world now if stuff goes wrong on saturday you might drop some but the truth of it is like harold said they are still playing well and the beauty about having the field in front of you is that you can you, you've got a bit of a say if you will and, and the way the, the golf course stacked up today i mean 17 and 18 played pretty easily with no wins so there were there always birdie holes in front and it's kind of like augusta national if you're in the final group you know you always have the final say and That's a great point they say in the final group tomorrow greats if they're in the final group sunday it's the same thing and and you you still have an opportunity to seal your fate so i'm not concerned it's golf you know i, I think for jordan and harold both however they finish there's there is a lot of bright light in the horizon after this we have uh, some odds to get to um, talking about players and, and where we think they're going to finish on Sunday you know, at the halfway point, the odds change a little bit, but there's a little bit of an easier way to win a little bit of money here with the CBS sports golf props game. Would you like to win a thousand dollars? What if I told you, you didn't even have to put any of your own cash at stake. That's where CBS sports has you covered with our very own golf prop game available at cbssports.com slash golf props. That's cbssports.com slash golf props. Rick, uh, our very own Rick Gaiman is the quiz master. So you're getting the inside scoop by listening to us right here at the first cut. I've heard the questions. I attempted it in the first round. I'm not sure the inside scoop did me very well, but I, I think it could do a little bit better for you. We'll have questions after every round. So you'll have three more opportunities to win throughout the week. Uh, and of course, Terms and conditions apply. I got a question for you, Mark. We'll get right to it. The prop question for round three, Jordan Spieth's score over under 67 and a half. Oh, goodness. You're asking the guy who's been dead wrong on Jordan Spieth this week? <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, shucks. Uh, the, it's the a golf, tough number. That's a good line to me. That's a really good line. The, the, the average score today was just a whisker over 70, and 70's par yesterday was a little bit under. So so for the entire field of 144, I think it is, the course is playing even par. Um, Jordan's two rounds, what, he's done a couple 65, so he's 10 under, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you shoot 67, it's a good round around there in the final group. So 67 and a half, if you had given me 67, I would have said over. Um, I'm... I'm going to go under. I'm actually going to go under on this one. All right. <laughs> I like it. I think for me, I'm going to take, I think I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take the over. I think Jordan's going to play a solid round tomorrow. I don't think he's going to go crazy low, but I, I think he's going to have a pretty good Sunday. I think we're going to leave Colonial feeling like Jordan is, uh, is quote unquote back. Well, now, look, go, go ahead. Saturday scoring average. Um, if my memory, unless my memory fails me, it's it's seventy one point something, and then on Sunday it's seventy four ish. So uh, if if we go to average, then the over is a good number. But 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 the like Varner, it just seems like there's a there's destiny at play here, maybe. And, and his his numbers and his his record around his golf course is is off the charts, really. So so I'm I'm, I'm going against instinct with me but i'm going under on this one well you hope something changes we, we touched on this a little bit earlier but i have the numbers here thanks to our producer jacob round one scoring average for jordan spieth i think this was 2019 he was ninth on tour round two he was first on tour 68.32 he led the pga tour in second round scoring average over the weekend it was a completely different story round three 
71.28. He was 170th on the PGA Tour, and it got worse for round four, 72.47, which is 187th. So definitely um, we're looking for something to change. And something like that tells me that there's not quite – the trust isn't fully there yet. I'm hoping that um, after this after this layoff, it's kind of a reset, and I'm just hoping that something changes here. So, um, well, but anyway, sorry. Oh, go one one thing. The good news for Jordan is that the forecast wind wise for the weekend is more of the same. So, so so if you're battling off the tees, um, the the issues will not get exacerbated by some crosswinds and such. So, if the wind was blowing, it would have been a different deal. But I think right now things are playing in his favor. Well, great news for Jordan. Uh, another guy, it seems like every single day the course is playing in his favor. It's world number one, Rory McIlroy. He shoots, uh, well, he made bogey on the final hole today to shoot 63. Uh, the course record is is 61. Most recently, it was Kevin Na in 2018. Well, Rory definitely had a chance for that, definitely had the firepower for it. You know, it's interesting. 63 for Rory seems so easy at a golf course like this. It seems like you know, it, it doesn't seem like one of those rounds that's so hard to follow up on. Uh, and and yet 63 is tied for his second lowest score on the PGA Tour. I mean, it's a, a really good score. It's really low, but it's almost surprising to me that that it's, it's that good. What did you think of Rory's round today? Well, uh, first off, what I thought before about round one was I was somewhat surprised because um, he looked really sharp in practice. And then yesterday, he just looked almost lethargic a little bit. You know, it was the afternoon day. The golf course does play a little harder, but there was just no momentum going on. He did drive the ball beautifully as he ordinarily does, but the iron playing to the greens was substandard. But somehow he ironed this out. And it was curious to me because oftentimes if you go late on Thursday and early the following morning, if it's late, um, you don't get time to go and work on your game. So it's basically, especially if you're Rory, you play, you go and answer questions from the media, quick dinner, you bush because it's so difficult out here heat-wise, into the hotel room, and you turn around for like a 4 a.m. wake-up call for the early tea time. And so oftentimes if you're playing badly Thursday, it's hard to turn that around. But here's a guy, that's the drill he went through, and comes out in a second in the field on, on approach shots today, which, which sort of speaks to just where his game is for me. You know, if, yeah. if the game was ragged, that wouldn't have happened. So obviously round one was a little bit of an anomaly. This was more of the Rory that he was probably expecting and probably a bunch of the golf fans were. So so 63, uh, he had more in him, I'm sure, you know, and 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 he's just, just everything seems to be in good working order right now. And and he cuts an ominous figure for those two dudes in Harold Varner and Jordan Spieth. You know, for the longest time, Spieth was the guy, if he was close by, he was sort of like Tiger because the one thing you knew was he would close. Tiger would and Spieth are the closers, really. Where now Rory looks like that guy to people, so he's going he's gonna to be a big image in the rearview mirror. It's, uh, it's interesting you say that. Now, I, when I think of Rory, I don't necessarily go to, um, to great closer. I know that that's probably a little bit skewed, but I, I just there, there are some difficult Sundays that pop into my mind. Hey, how many thing- wins he had lately? Well, he he won in in November. He won a. They don't, a, have, these, they don't hand these things out on the PGA no, Tour, right? No, are, they they don't. Right? I mean, he's the best player in the world, and he hasn't won since November. It, it's it's really hard. <laughs> I know that. I know, since March, bro. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> 
but here, right. We have, we have, we've also had three months off. <laughs> Keep but, going. I'm, I'm, I'm so, entertaining. Yeah. All I'm saying is this guy is remarkably good. But when I think of Rory, he is a player that rides confidence. He rides the waves. He's showing us that the that his floor, his the the like the the average golf that Rory plays, the law of averages puts him inside the top five. It's just plain and simple. He, he can be lethargic, and he's going to end up inside the top five through two, likely three, very likely four rounds. Um, but Rory seems to feed off of energy. He feeds off of his own confidence. Did you notice any difference out there without having spectators? Do you think that affects Rory McIlroy more than uh, some other players? I don't think so. He's just free swinging. I mean, to your point, I'm looking through um, tournaments uh, from this season. Uh, first full field event was the Zozo Championship, final round of 67. The 72 in round one put him out, out basically out of position. He was tied for third. Uh, over at the WGC event in Shanghai, 68 to win. Farmers Insurance, 69 to finish third, tripped up in the second round. Then at Genesis, he shoots one over in the final round, finishes P5. Then in Mexico, shoots 68 in the final day. And then at the Arnold Palmer Invitation, 66 on round one, but then stumbled from there and still finished fifth because it was just so difficult. So yeah. in that final round, scoring average is pretty sharp. And then Thursdays, uh, pardon me, Saturdays, we have the scores, 63, 67, 67, 68, 68, 73. So, I mean, this dude is shooting some serious numbers over the weekend. And I think there's been times that maybe he hasn't stumbled. Folks have just outplayed him, which sometimes happens. Well, it's but, hard to do. Yeah, but 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 here's the, here's the thing. I mean, I just see a guy who's, who's free swinging right now. Every department of the game is pretty sound. And, and he's obviously got the confidence percolating in the biggest way. He is definitely, I mean, again, he's, he's plus four, his odds are plus 400 over the weekend to get the job done. I, I think when you look at this leaderboard, you have question marks about a Harold Varner. You have question marks about Jordan Spieth. You, Colin Morikawa is extremely young. Xander Shoffley is a guy that typically when he wins, he comes from behind. And Rory McIlroy to me is when, when you get down to Rory's name, he is the favorite and he's only two shots back. I, I think uh, the odds speak for themselves here. Hey, Rory's probably got the best chance to win in this tournament at this point. But the second guy in the field is probably, you know, this leads me to one last point about Rory. The next guy we're going to talk about is Bryson DeChambeau. And he and Jordan Spieth have, to me, taken away the uh, the pressure off of Rory McIlroy. The eyeballs have not been on Rory and Rahm and Kepka. The eyeballs have been on, uh, um, I'm sorry, Bryson DeChambeau. And Jordan Spieth, Bryson, largely because of his physicality and the way he's playing, and we feel like Jordan Spieth is back. Is that an advantage to you for Rory McIlroy? And then I'll, we'll follow that up with maybe a comment on, on Bryson. You know what, Greg, that's a super question about McIlroy. And if you'd asked me this maybe two years ago or a year and a half ago, I would have said probably has helped that he's out of the limelight. But, but you know, new – Rory 2.0, you know, the Rory that's preaching his three Ps, which is like patience and perspective. And he's this voracious reader that reads books like, you know, the obstacle is the way and this sort of stuff. I, I think he's okay with the limelight shot on him because he's got everything, you know, into perspective. So I, I think it's much of a muchness right now, whether he's got the spotlight on or the spotlight off. Because when you're at this level of the game, um, I think the lion's share of the expectations come from oneself. You know, Rory as a young man was so freewheeling, it came easy to him. Then all of a sudden you've got four majors 
and everything was just going swimmingly. Then he has an injury, and then he, the foot. Remember the soccer injury before the opening yeah. play, and then he makes some funky statements about the Olympics, and and th- there was sort of upset and turmoil going on. Then he figures the whole thing out. He he gets the iron, the, the short game ironed out. Some, and he, he just looks like a guy who's got his world in order. And and so I think the biggest expectation right now is from Rory, and and I think he's dealing with that just as he should. Yeah, and then and then Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, this is a guy we have to talk about him. He's the talk of the town. I, I have never in my life turned on the TV and seen. So there's a. Uh, I'll just paint this picture for you. I'm watching. I, I'm not at this point. This was yesterday. I'm not intently watching. I'm just getting home. I, I got my uh, my wife and my son are are you know calling for my attention for lack of a better term. And so I'm a little distracted and I see Bryson on TV. I say, man, he, that guy looks so big. The next shot they played was Brooks Kepka. And I thought he looks tiny. Brooks Kepka, after they showed Bryson DeChambeau looked small to me. I've never thought that before in my entire life. What do you make of this? Is, is this, is this reality? Are we living in, is this the new age of, of golfers? I've never seen anything like this. And it seems like there's nobody that thinks it's a good idea, but everybody's in awe of what he's doing. If you can get strong and not sacrifice um, mobility and flexibility, you are on a winning wicket. That, that, that's the first observation I'll make. And, and to that, I, I was with Gary Woodland and Phil Mickelson this afternoon, and Gary has lost like 10, 15 pounds, whatever it is. He looks so thin. He looked great. And so I said, yeah. well, how do you feel? And he goes, no, I feel good. And so I said, how does the golf swing feel? Because things change when you either bulk up or you oh, yeah. lose weight. And he said, no, the golf swing feels great. And so it's it's how you decide to go. And Bryson clearly has researched the fact that if he can move the ball X in the air, he's gaining strokes somehow. And it's proving you know, fruitful to him. So he's doing what he needs to. I'm not sure what the end game is for him because I've heard rumblings um, of him aiming for like 260 pounds plus. Yeah. Um, look, golf is going that way because the power game that it is. I think right now it looks to me like he is exactly where he needs to be because his speed is incredible. The ball speed's unreal. He's hitting very little movement on the golf ball. I mean, I watched him. He was in front of my group today. So I could see all of the shots. Um, and he hits such a tight ball pattern at such high speed. It's blowing my mind, really, because as you know as an instructor, the faster you go, the more you open up dispersion, right? Oh, yeah. And so he's hitting a beautiful ball flight. He's just bashing his driver off the tee into a number of fairways. And then to that, then it looks pretty freewheeling. He doesn't look tight or anything with a build. And the main thing for me is he hasn't sacrificed those sort of feel touchy shots with wedges and stuff into the greens. Because the one thing about the long driver, he has to have a good wedge game because that makes the long driver weapon. If you drive the ball long and you don't wedge it great, you're just a long driver, okay? Yeah. Justin was that for a while, then he ironed out the wedges, then he became dominant. Justin Thomas was the same thing, got a wedge game improved, he became dominant. And and Brasson looks like he's going that way. So I, I'm, I'm keen, to, I, I would love to ask him why he's looking for more, because I feel like right now he looks awfully impressive, and it's actually something to behold. 
I mean, it, it is uh, kind of blowing my mind. I, I do see some differences in the golf swing. I see a difference in tempo. It seems his backswing has gotten a lot faster, which I know is a research that is a, a plan, a very, very much a, a planned calculated move. It also seems like he has a lot more wrist set. I laughed at Nick Felder. Felder goes, his backswing's faster than my downswing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is. I mean, if you talk to the guys from Tour Tempo who do great research, um, there's that three-to-one ratio they got going on. And so, you know, Bryson's – and they say if you want to hit it harder, that ratio's got to quicken up. And so that's why you see the faster backswing. And I think just purely because of the faster backswing, the talk as he changes direction – is hinging on those wrists that you talk about. Right. You now, when he was yeah. slower, he could make that mechanical style movement with very little wrist movements in, in sort of the radial fashion. But, but now it's just the pure velocity of everything's making that stuff load and unload, and that's where some of the speed comes from. It is. It, it's so fast. I mean, you can't believe what he's doing. It, it's what everybody seems to be talking about. It's one of the best seasons. Rick has been harping on this. Uh, basically since the Arnold Palmer Invitational, it's one of the best driving seasons we've ever seen if you start in January. And today it, it just continues. He only has two tee shots where he gains uh, or, or in 36 holes, he gains two tee shots with uh, negative strokes gained. I know that's a, a big thing for you, Mark, but um, <laughs> I, I want to move along to. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's bearing out because look, if, if he was gaining strokes off the tee and losing strokes in the scorecard, that'd be a waste. Right, parlaying that stuff into low scores, which is obviously the key. That's your. That's the purpose. So for me, it works. I'm. I'm with you. I wonder about the uh, going for more. I wonder if there's a breaking point. But at this point, I'm just as curious as anybody to see how this experiment kind of plays out. Yes, one thing I know for certain in my many years of golf teaching, and I won't tell you how long I've been doing it because I'll date myself. But I started <laughs> in 1996. Okay. All of the great achievers I've taught, from major champions to business leaders to all these sorts of folks, to everything, there's a point of diminishing return. Everything. It's just a law of economics, and it applies basically in life, and it certainly applies in golf. And when the golfer can figure out where that tipping point is, that's what all the greats have done. They never pass that by. They're just always dancing around that place. And then I'll never forget Nick Price saying to me, he got to this level. And then the golf swing adjustments were like getting in a shower. Little hot, little cold, little hot, little cold. It was never just going in one direction. So that's why I'm curious as to where Bryson thinks that tipping point is. I, I really like that analogy uh, from Nick Price there. I will definitely be using that again. Uh, so thank you, Nick Price, and thank you, Mark, for sharing it. Uh, but speaking of the greats, you were out there today with Phil Mickelson, and Phil is looking a little bit different these days, not only because he's in great shape. I mean, I watched... The other night, the I was flipping around and the 2006 Wingfoot U.S. Open was on. And Phil looks so much better than he did in 2006. It's amazing what he's done with his body. But that thing that everybody's talking about is the shades. What do you, what do you think of uh, Phil out there in the shades today uh, and I love, yesterday? I love Phil. I mean, he's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, he's out there with the Yeti cup and the coffee inside and the, and, and the reflective mercury-looking shades. I mean... I was just hoping for a call this afternoon where I had him live or something so it was more reactive and, and he'd hit a putt that would skirt the edge of the hole and I'd go, negative ghost rider, the pattern's full. And I, didn't get, <laughs> I, I didn't get to do this, which was disappointing, but you know, the, the it's, it's Phil. This is what Phil does. I mean, way back in the day, I'm sure you remember, there was a commercial that ran, what will Phil do next? Yeah. And 
and it's it's still Phil. I mean, this is who he is. This is what he does. It's he's like Bryson, kind of. You know, there's a theory to everything, and so, big time. I, I think the, I think the shades look cool, man. He's about to be fifty, and in the Hall of Fame, he can do whatever he wants. I, I want to hear him explain the shades because I I agree with you. I and I made this point on HQ earlier. Phil does everything for a reason and a purpose, and there's some. As crazy as it may sound, he's getting some advantage in his mind with the uh, with the shade. So I'm excited to hear more about that. But um, Mark, there's a lot more golf to watch this weekend. As you know, you'll be out there uh, on the course all weekend long, and it's this weekend on CBS. Golf is back. You can watch all of your favorite golfers compete at Colonial Country Club in the Charles Schwab Challenge in a few different ways. You're if you're on your computer. Yep, you can watch it here. Just go to cbssports.com. You're on your phone. Yeah, totally free. Download the CBS Sports app and off you go. Watching Big Boy Bryson, watching your favorite player, whoever it is on your very small screen. You can also watch on Roku, which I do, Fire TV, Apple TV, and through the CBS Sports app on those devices. So basically, uh, if there's no excuse, well, then you never, never, never miss a chance to watch our guy Sung J M uh, this weekend on CBS, another player who did look very good. Uh, so we're going to get into some more of these players. Uh, we're going to play a little game on the other side of the break here. Alarm? Are, are, are we sounding the alarm or is this an anomaly? We're going to talk about that uh, after hearing a quick word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. And we're back. Um, So Mark, let's play a little game here. It's called Alarm or Anomaly. I'm going to give you a player. And these players missed the cut this week. And and I want to hear your take if we should be alarmed or if this is just some sort of rust or if there's some other reason going on. Dustin Johnson. Oh, you know what? I, I'm so gun shy right now because of the Jordan Spieth call I made on Tuesday on this very podcast. And you can go and listen to that if you want to go and download, folks. Um, you, you never know with these stars, but... But but I, I I am a little concerned right now um, because DJ's got this easygoing manner about him and and the game comes easy. But you know for every round where the ball doesn't go where it should, and for every round where you start missing left, which he hates to do, and I saw that once or twice, you know questions start to happen. And 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 Dustin ordinarily will swing his way out of trouble. Basically, is what he does. And and, and I'm not sure right now. So right now I'm a little concerned. So so I think there's some some alarm going on over there. Yeah, I kind of, I, I sadly feel that too. Earlier in the year, we kind of saw the same stuff, uh, Dustin stuff, as we call it, and I kind of thought it was, uh, it was overblown. I thought Dustin was a guy that was going to have a great year, and I'm not seeing it right now. So I, I wouldn't say I'm to the point where I'm sounding an alarm just because of the nature of the player. I know Dustin's not sounding the alarm, but th- it, there's part of me that thinks, well, there's no, there's Dustin's not going to have any urgency. In so is he going to solve the problem the way a Jordan Spieth may attack the problem, maybe in the right way, maybe in the wrong way, who knows, but you know, a guy like Jordan is going to attack the problem. I don't get that sense from Dustin Johnson. So it's a, a little concerning. So I'm going to say this one is uh, the, or it's not an alarm. It's not an anomaly. We're going to have to continue to that? wait and Did see. That? Come on. you got <laughs> Hey, we got three words. This is, this is Jacob's game. I'm just playing by the rules here. Uh, no, no. I'll go feet to the fire. Yeah. I'm taking over the host role. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll say because it's DJ, I'll say anomaly. I'm just going to say anomaly. And Part of that may be influenced by the Jordan Spieth call on Tuesday, but let's move on to uh, to Phil Mickelson here. We, we saw we haven't seen great play out of Phil. Um, it's been a little rusty. He's displayed excellent short game. We saw some good, some bad at the match, and now coming out here missing the cut. Are you alarmed, or is this an anomaly? I saw I saw a still image of him mid downswing with a driver versus Tiger Woods. It was a comparison, and. Uh, it just looks narrow and 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 really sort of sloppy with with some wrist alignments there and and at a high speed as he's going because he's told us as much that he's going to hit bombs or hellacious seeds or whatever he calls these things you know the clubhead's moving fast and and with a real narrow look in the downswing there's a lot of um, engineering you need to do through contact to square up the face and and I saw a few tee shots today that he looked way late on with a club face 
And so right now I'm a little alarmed. Um, he, he can figure it out that I know because he's Phil Mickelson and he does this stuff. But like DJ, it's either he's got to change the mindset a little bit and, and go a little smoother and flat some shots. But if he keeps on going, he's going to have to widen that downswing out. I, I tend to agree with you, Mark. This is concerning to me. I, I look at two players that are the, the generational greats for my generation. It's Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. And in the, these kind of later chapters in their career, Tiger has started hitting a go-to shot off the tee. He's never been an extremely accurate driver of the golf ball. Maybe in 2000 he was. early, Very early in his career he was uh, very accurate. But, but the distance has always been the thing for Tiger. And he's realized with his age and with his body that he's kind of had to get the ball into the fairway. And I want to see that from Phil too. And I saw a glimpse of it at the match, the first rendition, when Phil was competing with Tiger at Shadow Creek, he was striping it down the middle of the fairway and it was just, it was smooth. We've seen it in a couple of Ryder Cups. He, he has this in him, but he doesn't seem to have any desire to go that way. So I'm uh, I, it's been going on for a little bit too long now. There's also questions about his focus. Uh, I, I'm thinking for Phil that this is this is concerning. I, I'm I'm on the alarm side with Phil here as well. All right. Um, so next on the list, I think I know where you're going to go with this. The, these next two, I would say, are probably pretty easy. John Rom. No, I'm not concerned at all. Um, it, that's that, that's rest. He hasn't played for yeah. a while. You know, everyone's getting back into it. He didn't putt very well, which normally is a strength of his. The one thing about these greens, there's not a lot of movement to them, but they're subtle breaks and they're easy to misread. It's easy to miss something just a hair. And I saw a number of putts that he hit that were just creasing edges. So no concern there at all. It's an anomaly. I couldn't agree more. I look at John Rahm. I think he's an extremely emotional player. He got paired with the number one. He's world number two. He gets paired with world number one and world number three has a chance with a win to take over the top spot. I think he got himself a little psyched up to play. Um, I think there was a lot of rumblings that he was playing some really good golf leading into it. So he was a rather popular pick and deservedly. So I think he maybe just got a little, you know, things just don't always go your way. You get a little hyped up, get a little excited after an unprecedented long layoff. Uh, I, I'm not sounding the alarms at all with John Rahm. I think he may, I mean, he could win four times this year. It wouldn't, and it wouldn't surprise anybody. Um, next player. I think you're going to go the same direction with this guy. Um, Webb Simpson. Yeah. I'm not concerned there either. Um, you know, let's not forget Webb's got a number of kids and he was probably home homeschooling and homeschooling yeah. is a lot of parents who are listening to this have found out is a, a pretty mentally taxing sort of a deal. So I'm sure when he got to Fort Worth by himself, he was more concerned with some rest than anything else. So I yeah, think yeah. I think from that point of view, um, it, it also, someone brought up a good point. It was Colin Marikawa, in fact, where he said he was living in Las Vegas and things didn't really close down very much. So he was able to play a lot of golf during the lockdown with certain guys like Webb for argument's sex in Charlotte, I don't think they were open very much. So even though he would might've been in a simulator or something, you know, it just, it's not the same as playing on a golf course. So, so I think from that point of view, I'm not concerned at all. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Webb's going to find his rhythm. He, and he's got a great team around him. They know what they're doing. They don't overthink things. I mean, he's, he's gone and uh, seen Butch Harmon. If he is, if he's worried and sounding the alarm, Sure, he can pick up the phone call, take a quick flight to Vegas and get a tune up. Uh, you know, he's got Pat Goss working with him on a short game, and they are 
uh, I, with a team like that around him and his caddy, Paul Tesori, I'm not worried in the least bit. This is just an anomaly, uh, which is the name of the game. So moving on to the next player there, uh, I kind of had a feeling we were going to see a little bit more out of Jason Day this week, but he um, he missed the cut and it, it wasn't great. What are your thoughts on Jason Day? Are, are we Are we really worried about him? I talked to him on a Tuesday practice day and I asked him how he was and he said, no good. He was looking forward to getting back out on the road, you know, with kids and stuff. You know, he goes, my, my, my wife said it's time for you to go and play golf now. And, and he said he felt healthy and I asked him about his back and he said the back was fine and the pain in the back is a function of hips tightening up. So I don't know if that happened, um, you know, because Jason has battled the injury bug throughout his career. So, but, but he seemed healthy and well when I saw him and we all know, uh, he's, he's superb when he's at his best. And and I've always maintained that if you can putt, you're a match for anyone. And this guy can roll it with anybody. Yeah, and so yeah. if he has a few quality shots, he's going to contend. So I'm calling this just rust and a bit of an anomaly. See, the thing is, I, I would agree that it's a little bit of rust here. But to me, with Jason, I'm sounding the alarm. And the alarm bells for Jason Day and me have been ringing for a while can he still win? Yes. Could he go win next week? Yes, he could. But the injury bug is something uh, that will concern me with Jason for the remainder of his career. I mean, when you're 32 years old, laying in bed, as he said, wondering, can I make it to 40? That, I mean, that is a place, it's not only the physical pain that you're worried about, but going through that kind of physical pain for such a long time takes a mental toll on you. And I, I just, I worry about it and I'm such a fan. I don't want it to, I don't want this to happen to Jason day. I think he's important for the game of golf, but uh, unfortunately I, I think this is, I think this is worrisome. If he's healthy and feeling good and, and missing cuts, I, I, um, I, I think it's a little bit concerning. And the biggest thing for me, I, I know how great of a putter he is and I'm a huge fan of that, but the iron play of the past couple of years has been very concerning and it's hard to rely on your short game and putting uh, for, for long periods of time the way he's had to. When I saw him last at the players, he said to me he'd gone back to drawing the golf ball, which is easy for him to do given his golf swing. You know, because when Steve Williams hooked up with him, Stevie recommended he would hit this thing low like Tiger, hit a stinger, hold off balls, put the thing on the ground where Jason hits it way in the air with a draw. And so he listened to Steve because Steve had been there and he'd seen what Tiger did. And it looked like it was gaining some traction, but but you know, you've got to be convinced about what you do. So the fact that he's going back to what he does well, I think is helpful. Um, the only thing I said, I think it's an anomaly. It came to me when you were describing a very valid point that with all this golf we've got coming up and with all this golf, these guys are going to play in a row with all these big events in the next you know, 12, 18 months, that may take its toll. So, if Jason doesn't schedule well, I, I think then it could be alarm bells, but I'm still sticking with the fact that it's a bit of just a bit of restless. Yeah. Well, you know what, Mark, that's one where I definitely hope you're right. We got one more, uh, one more in the alarm or anomaly game and it's Ricky Fowler. Are you sounding the alarm or is this just an anomaly? His instructor, John Tillery said to me that they're working on something in his backswing that's going to that's stabilizing stuff and getting the club more online, which will yep. make for him to deliver. And John's words were, it's a work in progress. So it tells me that they're seeing lights on the horizon. Um, so I think it's uh, it's a bit of an anomaly. He looked pretty solid in that match in the driving, yeah. in the driving relief thing. Um, 
and and you know it's it's you can't blame playing partners and playing com- they're not partners playing competitors, but playing alongside Spieth and JT as our producer Jacob calls them the Wonder Friends. Um, maybe that had its toll too. So I, I'm kind of vacillating on this, and I don't know much. But but I I, I respect John Tillery, and if he says that they're on the way, then then I believe it. Um, so the thing is for me with Ricky, I, I wouldn't. And I, I, this is not an or answer here. It's definitely not alarm for me, but it's not an anomaly either because of the work that he's doing with his golf swing. So um, John Tillery, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a work in progress. I've heard reports that Ricky is uh, really grinding on his game. There was one time where he had spent some 23 straight days at the golf course working on his game. So I like all that. I'm not sounding the alarms because of that. We saw great results uh, in in the match, and it was fantastic. So uh, I'm not sure that you can call it an alarm, but at the same time, like this is the nature of making a swing change. This is the nature of changing a coach. You're going to have a little bit of inconsistency. You're going to miss some cuts. So not necessarily an anomaly, definitely not an alarm. I think it's this is a WIP work in progress. All right, cool. Um, so – I, I want to get some picks out of you, Mark. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking into the weekend, no, no, we got look, our... I've, been, I've been banging this drum since when we found out golf was coming back. <laughs> and I made the statement that Kyle Porter, God bless him. I mean, goodness gracious. He, they, did you hear that quip where he said that he wants me to go and stand in front of the confession camera and admit that he's a better analyst than me? <laughs> <laughs> he actually did this on air. Um, no, it's, I've been saying Colin Morikawa since this thing was coming back. I'm not going anywhere. I know Rory's going to be a tough out. Speed looks pretty solid, but but Marikawa is, I mean, that boy is striking it so well and giving himself so many good looks. I mean, he hit the thing inside of five feet like five or six times in round one. Um, I'm, I'm sticking with Colin. If you get uh, a couple of units on Colin Marikawa right now, you get some pretty good odds. He's plus 1,100 right now, which um, I, I think is – Fairly good, fairly reasonable. I mean, it, he's a lot, uh, a lot longer odds than say Rory McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, Jordan Spieth. Some of that may be name capabilities because Collins' game right now it definitely suits the ability to win. Uh, for me, I'm going to stick with the guy that I chose at the at the beginning of the week, Justin Thomas. Uh, I, he's not the guy that I chose in my one and done because I, I need to save him. There was a little too much uncertainty heading into this week. Um, but Justin Thomas, for me, who's at plus a thousand is the guy that's just kind of hanging around waiting to go. And I, I think today was a frustrating round for him. I think it was his bad round at 200 par 68. Uh, and, and Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas have one thing in common. They're great iron players. And aside from Tiger Woods, they are probably uh, the two best iron players in the game, especially with short irons. I, I think you get into the long irons and Rory McIlroy is pro- probably the guy. But these short irons and wedges, Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas hit are just beautiful. So I love the pick, but I'm going with JT. Cool. How about we have dinner on that? Your JT versus my Morikawa. I'm in. I'm in. Dinner. (laughs) uh, It it might be, you know, maybe you get up here around the FedEx Cup playoffs, get up here to this area. You can drive up to Boston and buy me dinner when I win it. There we go. I'll take a trip to Boston. It's a good deal. It's a good deal, but you're driving to New York and buying me dinner when uh, Justin Thomas wins. Okay. I love <laughs> now let's talk about something. I know you're excited about this because this is uh, the the one and done league. We're back. You you have Colin Morikawa in one and done. You think he's going to win? So you've been on him very consistent and steady on him. I have Justin Rose in the one and done. 
um, which I'm very, very pleased with. He is sitting at eight under. Colin Morikawa is sitting at nine. Kyle Porter, who's leading on the season, he missed the cut. So he's opened the door a little bit. Do you have any confidence that you can get back in there and, and maybe uh, you know get yourself back in contention in the lead? <laughs> hey Kyle, if you're listening to this, I love you, man. <laughs> yeah, I was taking so much grief from that guy throughout the year when I was sitting in the cellar, and I kept just saying to him, "Kyle, settle, pedal. There's a lot of golf left." <laughs> man, even with uh, yeah, you have been taking a lot of grief with that over the break. We've been calling you, you know, the, I'm the, the old one done messiah. Boy in the group. I mean, you guys, yeah, you guys ripping the old guy. I mean, you talk about golfers who were generational talents for you you know with phil and tiger i mean who are mine tom uh, harry varden and ted ray <laughs> well listening to a lot of your arguments with kyle i would think bobby jones was definitely one of them of course <laughs> <laughs> mark thank you so much for joining today um, and great job out there on the course it's great to have you out there and again catch the action tomorrow and sunday right here on cbs what do you say mark Looking forward to it, man. I think it's going to be fun. I think we're going to be five wide coming down the stretch. And uh, I'm not going to say playoff, but um, I think someone's going to do something emphatic over the final stretch of holes. And look, well, whoever wins, it promises to be incredible. And hey, golf is back. I mean, there, there was outside the premises, there are these two in, in private residencies. These people have basically put up two stands and the folks are having a ball over there outside watching the golf. And they were going bananas as my group left the 16th tee, the par three. And uh, I think Nick Felder says to me, he goes, what are they celebrating? And I'm like, Nick, they're celebrating everything right now, including the fact that golf is back. And so whoever wins, it's all cool. It's so exciting to have golf back, Mark. And we're, we're glad that uh, you're out there on the ground covering the action. So thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, uh, jump over to wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, give us a review, and don't be shy. Tell a friend. Get, get a, bring, a, bring a friend in, as we say. The more, the merrier. Uh, I'm Greg Ducharme. You can get me on Twitter at TheRealGFD. That's Mark Immelman. You can get him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.